Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. 
Shit! 
And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God that 
is identified as the unsearchable inheritance of Christ. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. <clears throat> this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets in which we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 relevant to this we stop to study the, the signs of the paths of righteousness within the heart of a man which is demonstrated in the ways of the Lord and in part we have been looking at the ways of a gentle heart which demonstrates itself in the fruits of the tree of life a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 And another place of scripture, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his ways. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Psalm 25.8-10 This is the foundation this foundation the gentle in heart provide to God when they keep his covenant and his revelations by the armor of a gentle or wholesome tongue. Gentleness in the form of the disciplined tongue is the fruit of the spirit which is grown by the way of learning for which a price was paid, a voluntary obedience following the preached word of the man that God has clothed into the power of a father and placed over them, over us, that he can provide uh, peace to our soul. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is, e is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:28 through 30. <clears throat> Jesus clearly says here that he himself... <clears throat> came down came down in our body and he needed to learn uh, gentleness he needed to be, become a student and learn because gentleness is not obtained uh, uh, just like that it needs to be grown by learning by being instructed in the faith 
We paid attention to the fact that the, the price for learning, the discipline of gentleness needs to be paid before we find peace for our soul and become carriers of the good yoke of Christ. And this pr price consists in two conditions. First, it's, one is to come to Christ, and the second is to take His yoke upon you. Without doing these primary conditions, we will not receive the right to the power to clothe ourselves into the virtue and power of a student of Christ. The goal that the paths of righteousness pursue within the gentle hearts of men upon the way of the Lord is to give them the right to the power to free their body from corruption and death, so that in its place you can erect the stronghold of eternal life, filled with the multitude of peace which we can inherit here on earth in our bodies. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall not be. But meek, the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm 37, 9-11. Jesus is the root and offspring of David, and integrated the discipline of gentleness within the consistency of his teaching as a required condition to the right to inherit the adoption of our body by his redemption. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. They shall inherit the imperishable, this incorrupt body. This earth is this incorrupt body. It's not some kind of earth that they will inherit because this earth is a symbol of our body that is adopted and redeemed. This is the body that the Lord has been watching. He says, my eyes are always upon this earth. You see, God's goal has always been, God's focus has always been upon the bodies of his holy nation, his saints, in order to restore this body uh, to its original form in which he can then live forever. Gentleness is an element of the fruit of our spirit called to be one of the required characteristics by which you differentiate a spiritual person from a carnal person. Having the fruit of gentleness within your spirit identifies the status of the independence of a person from the state of fleshliness as well as the status of the independence of a person from the law of Moses, the power of which spreads upon every man that is within captivity of his fleshly corrupt desires. The ability to discipline your tongue with the bits of gentleness comes from a wise heart, which contains the good wisdom of the mind of Christ, which is the intelligent aspect of our new person, grown into full measure of growth in Christ. It's not immediately that a person can have this gentleness or this wisdom or the mind of Christ. It is given to a person when he grows into full measure of growth in Christ. And for this, it is necessary for you to fulfill the condition to be a student of His, to follow after Him, and to learn gentleness and humility. And to follow after Him, it is necessary to die for your nation by the cross of the Lord Jesus, die for the house of your Father, and die for your destructive, your corrupt desires. And then after that, being cleansed from dead works, your heart, then you b then bring in the teaching, the elementary principles of Jesus, and only after that can you take up your cross, follow Christ, and pay the price for learning so that you can inherit this peace that we will obtain in His, in his peace. Therefore, the absence of gentleness is an absence of good wisdom. 
which we also can by which we can also differentiate a spiritual person and a carnal person. If you pay attention, the simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. And so our ways is what we receive. The foolish receives all words. He listens to all words, believes all words, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages in his, in his self-confidence. Proverbs 14, 15, 16. And so a wise man, a spiritual person, he does not believe every word that he hears. I don't believe in every word I hear. When people come and tell me something about someone else, this and this is about this person, I don't believe everything that someone says to me. Why? Because they say it from their point of view as they may have seen something or understood something. <clears throat> I immediately have a different position. Who God is for this, for this person, what he's done for this person, and who he is for God. And it's possible, stating these words, he maybe did not intend whatever this other person may have perceived or thought uh, may be the intention. And so, you need to know what to receive and how to accept what people say. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Also, do not take to heart every pe everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Ecclesiastes 7, 20-22 While we are not yet clothed into our new body, the stronghold of life will not be within our body. It won't be erected in our body. Not looking at the fact that we have accepted justification and we're righteous. The scriptures say there's not a righteous person on earth that doing good, and while doing good, when we're doing this good, we may commit sins with our mouth, with our words. And so the scriptures say do not take heart everything people say because you sometimes have said these words and not have uh, not have uh, paid attention to the fact that you did and so when this purse uh, or this this uh, another person will uh, uh, spread this kind of information that this other person said something about you don't believe words that people say again because one person said this and I always remember people of the world that sometimes are wiser than saints and Christ also said this that sometimes people of the world are sometimes wiser even there was a poem that was written about this kind of uh, about the subject when people say bad words about their friend know my friend the value of my of my friendship with you wrath upon my friends may be instant but do not be quick to do it if your friend uh, pretty much it states that the friend if he had offended you and he did this out of hastiness do not take to heart what has happened because people uh, age and we may lose many of our friends. 
but receiving, uh, achieving or finding new friends is much more difficult. And so this uh, poem is, of course, very long, but explains a lot of this kind of thing, that people of the world understand that you don't need to pay attention to every single word. You need to be considerate and forgive and keep your good relationship with people and continue with this good relationship. By having a good relationship, you will be then, uh, people will see that you are the students of Christ because you have this love for one another because you are considerate of one another and forgive, forgiving and forgetting the bad and only remembering only the good. With this we note that an activity of the desires of the soul of a holy person, not having been worked through the truth of the cross of Christ, where he by the law died for the law, however good they may appear, are corrupt and deadly. Any act or work of the soul of a man, it will be corrupt and deadly because it comes from the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Gentleness. This is an element of the fruits of righteousness, fruits of the Spirit. A gentle person will always be subject to harsh attacks by carnal men or men of the flesh, who are carriers and demonstrators of the works of the flesh. Jealousy being at the top of the works of the flesh is an integral component of the natural characteristic of the flesh or a man that is carnal, not having upon himself the mark of the cross, which is demonstrated in the discipline of his tongue with the bits of gentleness. Gentleness and jealousy are two contrary of each other programs, which present within our body the inheritance of two contrary of each other wellsprings in the format of two powerful potentials, which are the new and old person. They both live within our body. The opposition or standoff of these two powerful potentials within our body is identified as the sovereign right to obey the truth and the sovereign right to disobey the truth. The choice is ours. The choice to obey the truth and the choice to disobey the truth, this is opening of our powerful potential or that starting point from where we begin to move toward those goals that are at the end of these two paths. The potential of gentleness demonstrated in obeying the truth or self-discipline of your tongue is called to form us as children of God into an image of our Heavenly Father who disciplines himself by his word that comes out of his mouth. <clears throat> I worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name. Psalm 138, 2. The temple of God is the body of a holy person upon the condition that he is an organic member of the body of Christ, that he is a member of a specific local church of Christ where the elementary principles of Jesus Christ are preached that came in the flesh. It is within the body of a person that God 
erects his word, he magnifies his word above all his uh, all his names. By magnifying his word above all his names, he becomes a servant of his word. He disciplines himself with that very word and may, and does this gladly and is vigilant over this word that it be fulfilled in the body of a person. It's very important within the body of a person. That is called to be the temple of the Lord when we receive into our heart the promise of the adoption and of our body by the redemption of Christ, God is vigilant because this is his word and he is vigilant within our body over this word in order to fulfill it. He is the one that is vigilant, but we also need to be vigilant together with him because if he alone will be vigilant, then nothing will work because everything that God does for us, he does by the confessions of our mouth, not just confession, but the confession of the faith that is within our heart. That promise that is imprinted, and he as the reader would be able to easily read it upon our heart. The potential of jealousy demonstrated in disobedience to the truth of the word and refusal to discipline your tongue by obeying the truth of the word is called to transform us into the children of the devil. The start of jealousy is the fallen cherubim who had converted converted himself into a hater of God. Jealousy demonstrating itself in disobedience of the truth reprogrammed the great cherubim into a revolting, rotting essence of eternal darkness who plants death. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. 1 John 3, 8. The sin of the devil was an arrogance which produced jealousy. Arrogance is the state in which creation begins to see itself as the creator, not acknowledging the head. And when the cherubim in his arrogance began to see himself as God, he saw the obvious benefits of God and became jealous of him. This jealousy was the virus of rotting in his bones and transformed him into an eternal enemy of God. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Proverbs 14.30 According to this given place of scripture, and it's not the only one, the presence of gentleness when we humble ourselves, our mouth, contains life for the whole body and is identified as the stronghold of eternal life, purpose for healing and health for our entire body. A very surprising medicine. You can go to doctors, you could do whatever, but if your mouth is not restrained, you're you'll have new, newer and newer viruses and illnesses and they will progress. But if every time when you, you have the desire to say some kind of word and you will withhold yourself from doing this because you can't say it, you shouldn't say it, it's not in accordance to the truth. And when you keep yourself from saying it, you begin to heal your body. God, by this work, by this act of yours, will begin to heal your body. And so the presence and cultivation of jealousy within our, within our heart carries for our whole body a collection of all kinds of illnesses and brings our body to a suffering death and eternal damnation. We need to note one undeniable thing that 
From one wellspring, you can't simultaneously receive sweet and bitter water, and as a good tree cannot bear good and bad fruit at the same time, in a person there cannot exist both gentleness and jealousy at the same time. A bone, in literal sense as well as non-literal sense, represents the strength of the human body, the strength of the human spirit, and the strength of our faith. Did you not pour me out like milk, and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. Bone is the strength of the human body. Bone is also the strength of the spiritual body and our faith. Job 10, 10 through 12. When jealousy emerges in a person because he has allowed Satan to put into his heart a destructive idea, then it does the same kind of work in a person as the bacteria of rot does in the bones. I will remind us that in medicine, a rotting condition of the bone tissue is characterized as osteomyelitis. This illness typically begins with the appearance of a small bruise into which bacteria enters that comes from the heart of infection that is within the system of a person. And he said, what comes out of a man, that that is what defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, and wickedness. All these evil things come from within the def- within and defile a man. Mark 7, 20-23. I will remind us, when God created the visible world, he allowed that in the physical world there be the presence of a collection of infections, demonstrated as personified jealousy in the form of the ancient serpent. For God created man to be immortal and made him to be in, a, in, an, in the image of his own eternity. Nevertheless, through envy of the devil came death into the world, and that they that do hold of his side do find it. The Book of Wisdom of Solomon 2.23-24 This hearth of a collection of infection gave a person the ability to demonstrate his sovereign right to choose obedience and disobedience. If a person just had one choice to obey, then at the same time, At the same time, he would not have had the ability or choice to disobey. This order would contradict the universal harmony of God as it would deprive a person of the right to choose between good and evil and between life and death. A person could not then be called a person, that is a sovereign individual reflecting the image of God, since this would simply then be an animal programmed with instincts to obey. Having the choice to obey or to disobey God, which is really the choice between gentleness and jealousy, carrying life and death, a person is able to be called a person and carry in himself the image of the one who had created him. And however tragic this may be, the first person by the jealousy of the devil chose death. He did not choose jealousy, he chose death. And then, and in this death was the program of jealousy. And then this uh, hearth of jealousy present within the fallen cherubim was moved over into the person himself. And this person became a carrier of jealousy inherited from the devil. And this jealousy first revealed itself in the man Cain, who killed his brother Abel. 
In order to save his creation and give them a second chance to choose between life and death, God, by the obedience of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, gave man a chance and opportunity to learn from Christ how to receive and be clothed into gentleness in order to inherit eternal life. Having chosen the program of gentleness in the seat of the kingdom of heaven, we confirm that we are the children of God and inherit eternal life. Choosing the program of jealousy, we in the likeness of Cain form ourselves into the children of the devil and subject ourselves to eternal damnation. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus asks the Jews, because you are not able to listen to my word. You are not able, he's saying. You don't even have the ear. You don't have the tool with which you can receive my word. Why? You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. John 8, 43 through 45. A person that comes to God and does not rule over the genetical inheritance of his jealousy by obeying the truth as a person that has refused to stand in the truth and for the truth. And such a situation is the result of our choice that identifies either the uh, cultivation of jealousy or cultivation of gentleness, a programmed jealousy whose carrier is our old person opens up within our body as well as in our spirit a breach for all kinds of infectious viruses and bacteria and that is why many prayers about healing and other needed help requests for help are not responded to And so erecting specific strongholds against jealousy is practically the strengthening of our immune system of our spirit, which demonstrates itself in the stronghold of a gentle heart. We need to learn how to resist jealousy within ourselves and how to resist jealousy then that also that comes from outside of us, from our neighbors, from people of the flesh not having the spirit that also are carriers of jealousy but have not bound their old person. And that is why whether they want this or not, they begin to demonstrate this jealousy, covering it up. And so the erection of and building of the strongholds of gentleness is called to become a, an immune system of our new person. And at the beginning of every process of doing or creating such a thing, we need to choose the means of protection and attack, choose the method of protection and attack, and choose a detailed plan of safety and attack for ourselves. It's not possible just to protect yourself and be safe. You need to also attack. At the same time, if you're going to only be protecting yourself, then you will lose. With the enemy, you need to protect yourself. And first of all, you need to attack. When God brought Israel into the promised land, he gave them a strategy of attack so that they could conquer what is within the hands of the enemy but is their their own and their possession the 
the first requirement how to protect ourselves from jealousy coming from the entrails of our old person and liquidate it by destroying the foundation of it. We need to know that we cannot choose the means and methods according to our own judgment and also work out our, our, our own plan according to our personal abilities. Because this would no longer be the construction of a stronghold of a gentleness within our spirit against the jealousy that we inherited from the sinful life of our fathers and a carte blanche of the already existing stronghold of jealousy. In order to uh, create the strongholds of gen gentleness against the inherited in us je uh, jealousy, God has offered to us his means and his plan. That is, in the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit, which we can receive by being instructed in the faith, the means is linked to the price that we need to pay for learning this gentleness. The methods are linked to imitating carriers of this gentleness, and the plan of attack is at the right time and right place to grow and bring forth fruit in your, in your gentleness. The second requirement, how to protect ourselves from jealousy that comes outside of us from our neighbors and how to be victorious over it with authority giving it over to shame. Any blessing and success that we desire will always prompt in religious people jealousy. This is one of the most terrible forms of curse that people that are jealousy that are filled with jealousy, that are jealous and exist. These people exist among the nation of God. Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work a man is envied by his neighbor. This is also vanity and grasping for the wind. Ecclesiastes 4.4 A person sowing jealousy and being within jealousy is seen, according to scripture, as a person who is a murderer. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. Jealousy is a demonstration of hatred. It bears however level of anointing a person may possess who is jealous, and he may have great anointing and a great level of anointing. And however success he may have in his surrounding, he will use his anointing that is given to him by God against the blessed servants of God. Cain, not having dealt with the jealousy he had against his brother Abel, kills him. The anointed by God, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, because of jealousy against Moses and Aaron, were literally sent to hell. And Saul, fighting against David, fell upon his own sword. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. He knew that 
This person, far from God, knew it was because of envy, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that they would rather release Barabbas to them. Mark 15, 9-11. The place of the abiding of jealousy is our flesh, or more accurately, our old nature, the means that God has prepared in order to destroy within ourselves the stronghold of jealousy is the, are the bits of gentleness, demonstrated in the truth of the cross of Christ. And eliminating this nature of jealousy is only possible by the means of the truth of the cross of Christ, which is eliminating jealousy. This will then eliminate this jealousy and the program of this jealousy in us. It eliminates the carrier of this jealousy. We are not called to bind the devil in this situation, but to bind the old person within ourselves. The devil, we're called to... uh, we don't need to bind the devil as it were we need to uh, rebuke him uh, on the earth what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven the scripture didn't mean to bind in that situation some people say that has to do with Satan Uh, God in his time will bind the devil to rebuke and to bind are two different things to bind when you bind your old person and put him into into a prison within yourself when he will lose the ability to produce this jealousy and not just jealousy but other sins as well yes you'll experience it's something there you'll feel like it's something there but it'll lose its power you will easily be able to deal with it the bits of gentleness is when a person restrains himself does not speak negative things against himself most of the negative things we say we speak against ourselves this does not work for me this is not for me it's better to die God does not hear me God has forgotten me I am not needed for anyone no one wants to greet me no one invites me invite yourself other people Often people that are not invited, that complain, they themselves don't invite. They, for some reason, have decided everyone needs to invite them, everyone needs to greet them, but they can just stand as a pillar and wait for everyone else to greet them. Go and greet others yourself. Go and invite a brother that you would like. Tell them, I would like to invite you uh, to a restaurant to eat, and of course for your own uh, money, of course, if you're inviting one brother once invited me to a restaurant uh, and I came there and at the end when it came time to pay he wrote out a check for himself and he says if you don't have money I can also lend you some money then why are you inviting me if you have money only for yourself I could have easily just uh, taken myself to a restaurant without your presence then in this case These things need to be just clearly understood. We need to remember that the truth of the cross of Christ is called to liquidate the results of of jealousy. The truth about the cross is called to liquidate within our, from our heart, the producer of jealousy. Liquidation and protection from jealousy, of this jealousy that comes from our sinful life that's passed on from our fathers the way to liquidate it is the truth of the cross of Christ which is based upon all of the fullness of scripture and not just specific places of scripture 
Who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and, and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. James 3.13-17 A gentle person confronts the demonstration of jealousy in himself by the power of wisdom that comes from above which reveals itself in the fear of the Lord and continuously separates in his thoughts and imaginations from evil. And such a confrontation or elimination within his nature jealousy will begin to be a healing for his entire body and his bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord Proverbs 3, 7 through 9. The methods of protection, what method or what way we are called to use the bits of gentleness protecting ourselves from jealousy that uprises from the entrails of our old nature. Upon practice, the methods of, and, of protection from jealousy is not as much resisting the pressure, pressure but applying pressure. Gentleness is disciplining your own tongue and not your neighbor's. This is self-discipline. We need to keep, keep in mind that the strategy of self-discipline uh, resists this pressure of jealousy and also applies pressure. We need the discipline of learning good thinking. The kind of thoughts you have is who you are, thoughts in your heart. Thoughts can immediately be silenced. Thoughts, many different thoughts can come into your mind, but if you are not agreeing with them, then you don't give them the ability to then uh, weave a nest upon your head in your, in your mind. Birds can fly over your head, but don't give them the ability to uh, prepare a nest on, on you. While they're flying over you, they're not a danger. God does not account this as a, a sin to you. But if you allow them to weave this nest, then it will be a sin. If you want to follow after Christ, he says, you can't follow after me. You have foxes that have holes, and birds have nests. Your prophets, Israel, are like the foxes to the ruins. They don't stand in the breach. They don't stand for the house of God. When a person bases everything upon prophecies and gives consideration to prophecies rather than the truth as Israelites did in their time, then these people that were basing everything upon prophecy, they had holes for these foxes and had uh, nests for these thoughts that would come, incorrect thoughts. You can discipline yourself, and God has taught me. I'm now able to, uh, so if the thought comes into my eye, I immediately uh, acknowledge that this is not my thought, and I begin to immediately think of something different. How to remove these thoughts. Oftentimes people come to me and say, I can't, these thoughts overtake me. I showed them a glass of water. It's not full. The thoughts will only fill this part, uh, this empty part of the glass. But if you fill it with glass complete, uh, with water completely, this, this glass, there will not be space for those thoughts. 
when your head is empty and does not have God's promises in it or those places of scripture meditating about the words uh, the places of scripture that may not be fully clear to you that's what I do I begin to meditate about what this may mean what God meant when you meditate about what is not fully understood to us or clear God begins to reveal I have a lot of questions uh, uh, for God how, how it will be what's going on now how to walk what it means I immediately begin to meditate about those things and I then don't have those other thoughts that come because it's not possible to be free from thoughts this bad thought that may be by another bad thought I experienced I didn't experiment at the time of of we I was in it, singing in the choir and I was in the tenors and I told uh, my uh, the brother that was sitting next to me don't think about uh, among monkeys I just it was an experiment and after that I uh, uh, we went our own ways and three days later uh, he comes to me and says, "What do you? What do you? What have you done with me? Three days already. I, I'm I'm walking around. I'm always thinking about monkeys. You can't get rid of this thought, with uh, of 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 thinking about something without replacing it with something else. I just wanted to show him that uh, you need to meditate about the Lord and replace that thought about the Lord. Thoughts about the Lord." Uh, with those thoughts that are in your mind. God, uh, the oil that uh, ends up in your vessel or, or in your lamp directly, it is clear and your light is burning. But that one that you store up in your vessel is word that you didn't fully understand. As Mary uh, did with the words of Christ, She, it is written she didn't understand it, but she put it into her heart. You need to keep it in your heart so that you may be a wise virgin. And when you control your thinking, the kind of thoughts you have is who you are, and if, as you control your thinking, you can then control your words. If you don't control your thinking, you can't control your, your words either. You can't control your mouth. All begins with the mind, the thoughts that are in you. And so to learn good thinking, and then the discipline of confessing good, good thoughts, the things that you think good thinking who God is for us in Jesus Christ what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and who we are to God in Jesus Christ and you begin to confess Lord thank you that you have justified me and when you say you have justified me God takes these words and justifies you and you begin to experience this justification the devil can't say in this time that you're not worthy well, you say, get away from me, Satan. Blessed be my God, and blessed is God's mercy. I am justified by the gift of grace. And then you need to confirm this justification in order to enthrone God's grace and God's righteousness in you. And this all happens by the confession of the word of God that you receive and then confess. And the discipline of righteous manner and behavior. What you confess, then live according to that. Be address according to that. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a 
pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. Proverbs 22, 17 through 19. <clears throat> this is a father and a son. A father says to the son what he needs to do, how he needs to incline his ear in order to listen to the words of the wise, to incline your ears, to prepare your heart to listen to the word when you go into the house of God. The discipline of the good of good mentality, good confessions, and good uh, manner of behavior is first the ability to prepare the soil of the of your heart to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and second, it's also the ability to place into the soil of your heart the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and third, the ability to keep within your heart or keep your heart from all kinds of evil thoughts. The method of protecting yourself from uh, jealousy or any other sin is uh, the ability to move the words of faith from the supernatural state to the natural state within you. And this happens by prayer where a person presents to God evidence of the fact that he has the right to work with his truth and the right to work with the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in the heart. Evidence of our right that we are a child of God. We need to confess to God Based upon what are you a child of God? How can you in prayer then prove that you're a child of God, a child of His? Lord, you gave your Son for me. I have received your salvation. And when I confessed my sins, I left my sins, and I accepted your justification by the gift of grace. This speaks about the fact that you present evidence that you're His child, then strongly hold on to the this evidence, the readiness to listen and fulfill the heard word, and meditate and think about what you've heard. Meditate and even say, state what you think, because when you say what you think, then you begin to form a new way of thinking and the Holy Spirit has the ability to open up this revelation. It's necessary for our heart and our mouth to work as one command. The thing is, the Lord created our heart and our mouth uh, as interlinked, as, as one, one union, as one thing. And when we use one without the other, this will be as the sin of fornication. When we state what is not in our heart or what's in our heart, we say something different. It's as fornication because God had made a union between your confessions <clears throat> and your heart. They should be one. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. Speaking... Uh, the words of faith from your heart is the great power, the mighty power that is in accordance to the power that of the word that comes out of the mouth of God. The plan of protection requires that specific confession is made at a specific time that is in indicated by God. And this is 
how much we're able to differentiate the signs of the times. The most popular mistake when it comes to confession, confessing the words of faith that Christians make is they, they're not able to wait. They're impatient. Not enough waiting is not enough discipline of yourself by the truth of the word of God, which indicates a blemish in your gentleness. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. Joshua 6.10 If you can imagine, when a person begins to proclaim what is not sown in his heart. <clears throat> he hears it, he likes it, but he has not cleansed his heart from dead works. And his heart is not able to receive the word. The heart of a carnal person <clears throat> and an infant is not able to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven. What do we do with our sister when they will come ask for her? <clears throat> when she's given the seed of the kingdom, she will not be able to receive it <clears throat> as she, in her body, the tool has not yet been formed, she has not yet grown up. <clears throat> the same thing here, a person that is carnal, hearing the word of the kingdom of heaven, he likes it, he wants to confess it, but it's not in his heart. You need to start everything by cleaning your conscience from dead works by the cross of, path of the cross of Christ in order to die for your nation, the house of your father, and for your destructive desires. And after that, in this cleaned heart, <clears throat> you then place the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. And only after that can you then receive the seed. You receive the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life, and He will then do the help do the work. Mary said, how will I know that I'm able to bear? I don't have a, a husband. She said, the power, or the angel said, the power of the Most High will come upon you. And she said, maybe according to your word. The Holy Spirit will come upon you will give you the ability, will open the truth in your heart. As the Holy Spirit is not yet there, He will not be able to reveal the truth in the heart. You have the truth, but you don't have a person, you don't have God, that would be able to re uh, reveal that truth in the heart. In, in order to reveal the truth in the heart, you need to be growing into full measure of growth in Christ, and then He'll come and knock upon the door of your heart, and you will receive Him, and then is when you will begin to be led by the Holy Spirit. Until this time, you will be led by the power of your mind. When in our hearts the paths of righteousness and the ways of the Lord that contain himself the program of God in the broken tablets of the covenant find themselves in the new tablets of the covenant in the discipline of our mouth, then this means that we are collaborating our favor with the favor of God. The next sign of the paths of righteousness within the heart of a man demonstrated in the ways of the Lord in the broken tablets of the covenant and finding themselves in the new tablets of the covenant in the fruits of righteousness consists in, by being instructed in the faith, we can learn to make an oath or swear by the name of God as the Lord lives. 
and it shall be if they will learn carefully by the ways, uh, by, by the way of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. According to this place of scripture, this ultimatum, the oath of the name of God upon the paths of righteousness is discovered upon the paths of the Lord. And this is in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. In uh, the modern uh, Christian theological, uh, theological teachings, as they say, there's a, a, a heresy that is spread. And this is the discipline. And this heresy consists in and is about oaths or swearing by the name of God. They, because of their hard heart and uncircumcised ear, they they uh, continually are uh, working and uh, teaching the people uh, uh, the untruth and a perverted form of the truth. And what they do is they actually pull out specific places of scripture, teaching of Christ, and pervert them. Again, you have heard that it has been said to, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Matthew 5, 33 through 37. If you paid attention here, in this words of Christ, we see specific three specific benefits and differences between the oaths. And we also see the difference between the law of grace and the law of Moses in this place. If you paid attention in the words of Christ, he forbids the people to swear by the name of the Lord. He does not uh, forbid them from swearing by the name of the Lord, the Lord lives, but the opposite. He frees uh, the people in... Uh, he makes it clear that you can swear by the name of the Lord, but only when it is according to the instruction that he provides. When we're talking about swearing or an oath is a guard of holiness. This is uh, something that is accursed at times. This is a curse also. This is holiness. This is judgment. This is condemnation. This is a verdict. This is uh, the unquestionable uh, uh, will of God. This is a law. This is a commandment, statute, instruction. An oath is circumcision this is a pretty much a triumphant promise a covenant that is made by God when you br- uh, bring forth an offering this is a vow and also the finishing of something 
specifically God's oath by him for himself he had confirmed us as his children by an oath God is uh, uh, stands guard of his promises for men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirming it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil." where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And this is Hebrews 6, 16 through 20. In this situation, the oath of God that are in two things identified the covenant of God with man and was elevated to the status of our hope called to lead us into the presence of God into which uh, the forerunner Christ already came in. The covenant of God with man without a promise of faithfulness to one another is not legitimate and such an oath has its legitimate status and power only within the boundaries of a covenant which <clears throat> pretty much has obligation uh, of both sides and responsibility. The discipline of an oath is not only an identification of the character of the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of peace, but stands guard of this unchanging covenant. In Hebrew, the word vow, when it stands guard of the unchanging covenant of God with man and, and man with God, at the same time identifies also the character of the covenant as well as the state of two sides that make this covenant. The state of the one that vows is one that is upright, that has no sin, that is guiltless, not having any blemish or insufficiency, without spot or blemish, pure, filled with righteousness and holiness, perfect, gentle, loving of peace, and now let's look at the fact that the law of Moses was not for the righteous, but for the lawless and those that were disobedient, the unclean, the ones that were fornicators, and it wasn't to justify them, but to judge them. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and mother, and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11. Looking at the character of God and character of man when it comes to making a covenant, ahead of the law of Moses, a person was not able to be in accordance to, uh, uh, to the requirements of, of God's com uh, demands. In Jesus Christ, the discipline of an oath 
in the New Testament is called to protect a person and justify him. If in the period of the Old Testament, by being instructed in the faith, a person allowed the Holy Spirit to circumcise the foreskin of his heart, then God looked at a person in the Old Testament as one worthy of an oath of making a covenant and that the discipline of the oath that identifies holy truth justified this person. Psalm of David, a contemplation. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not input iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. In the Old Testament, God did not cleanse sins, but covered sins, only covered them. He did, he did input sins to men, and he punished them for the sin up to the third and fourth generation. But here it says that God will not input iniquity, but God only imp- does does not only he doesn't input iniquity in the New Testament only. He reconciled the world to himself. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not input iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And when will he not input iniquity? When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. To the drought of summer, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And when he, he confessed his sins to the priest, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when they may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place, you shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Psalm 32, 1 through 8. First, the discipline of an oath and the Old and New Testament are an example and work of art of the holy uh, of the holy truth. They, this reveals the nature of God and His love, identifying all of the bond of His perfection, which also reveals itself in the natural qualities of his remnant. The discipline of an oath in the Old and New Testament in the nature of his great glory that identifies the burning holiness of the law of God reveals itself in the new tablets of the covenant that is the teaching of Christ. The discipline of, of an oath identifying holy truth is literally above or beyond the boundaries of the regular mind of man and is accessible only to those saints that by the instruction of faith have cleansed their conscience from dead works and have imprinted upon their heart the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. In a specific format, I will bring forth some of the identifications and disciplines of, of an oath by the means of which we are called to destroy the stronghold of death in our body and in its place enthroned erect the stronghold of life in its place. The discipline of an oath, we are called to, by it, we are called to destroy the stronghold of death in our body. The discipline of an oath, identifying holy truth, was present upon the shoulders of the high priests upon in the two precious stones of onyx. 
Then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on, on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and six names on the other stone, in order of their birth. With the works of an engraver in stone, like the engraving of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod on, as a memorial stone for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. Exodus 28, 9 through 12. First, in this place of scripture, the discipline of an oath, identifying the holy truth in the two precious onyx stones upon the shoulders of the high priests, was a sign of the covenant between God and his nation and was for God a memorial of the covenant he made with Israel that God was vigilant over that in the time that he is appointed he could fulfill the covenant and this covenant had one goal and that is to adopt the body of a person by the redemption of Christ in order to enthrone the stronghold of life there and so that God could live there second the discipline of an oath and the two precious stones of the onyx reminded the sons of Israel about how they need to continuously remember the covenant they have with God and the covenant of God would continually be in their heart. Third, the discipline of the oath in the two precious onyx stones identifying holy truth that uh, about the covenant that was given or that was made by God in Israel upon Horeb was confirmed from two other mountains uh, and was confirmed by the words Amen. Six names on the one side, six names on the other. This was Mount Ebal and Mount uh, Gerizim. And so when they made this covenant with God, it took a couple of years before they confirmed it upon these mountains. Therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan, this was during the time of Joshua, that on Mount Ebel you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God and you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law then Moses and the priests the Levites spoke to all Israel saying take heed and listen O Israel this day you have become the people of the Lord your God Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes which I command you today. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, These shall, shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse, burn, uh, to, to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali by building an altar to the Lord from whole stones by confirming the covenant that God made with his people they then pro did this work they proclaimed God's curses and God's blessings upon these mountains These symbolized the sacrificing uh, blood of the son for his children. 
And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Hebrews 2.14-16 the discipline of an oath is a curse that comes upon the face of the whole earth in the flying scroll that is called to destroy in the nation of God those that steal and those that falsely swear by the name of God most high then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll and he said to me what do you see so I answered I see a flying scroll its length is 20 cubits its width 10 cubits then he said to me this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll and every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it I will send out the curse as the Lord of hosts it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name it shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones Zechariah 5 1 through 4 the measurement of the flying scroll being a length of 20 cubits that category of people that are uh, under the guard of the law and the width of 10 cubits is those that are got, that uh, under the guard of the law they have not died but uh, for their nation the house of their father or their desires and the 20 cubits so that's the 10 is the law and the 20 cubits is that this curse belonged to the category of people that were male that were 20 years and older and that's why 20 those men that were younger than 20 this curse did not apply to them the reason for why men up to 20 years old were not under this curse because these men in the wilderness they did not know the sins of uh, of the things that the older generations knew they all these were all born in the wilderness and the wilderness is a sanctification with God this is sanctification when you separate you die for the for this world the house of your father and for your destructive desires I will lure them into the wilderness and speak to their heart and from there I will give their uh, the valley of a core and the vineyards and she will rejoice and so those that were born they could not understand the taste of meat uh, onions garlic that their fathers ate in Egypt because they were not familiar with those tastes <clears throat> and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying how long shall I bear with the evil congregation who complain against me I have heard the complaints which the ch children of Israel make against me say to them as I live says the Lord just as you have spoken in my hearing so will I do to you the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness all of you who are numbered according to, the, to their entire number from 20 years old and above except for Caleb the son of Jephun and Joshua the son of Nun you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in but your little ones whom you said would be 
victims I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the burnt the burnt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed. Amen. Uh, may the Lord bless us. Let us bend our knees and pray. And those who desire to resist any kind of dependence, fear, uh, sins, illnesses, whatever may be going on, the Lord has enough strength. When you acknowledge your dependence, you hate it and you want to be freed from it, He's ready to deliver you right now to give you freedom. He can do this if you confess your sins. Then He, being faithful and true, will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, will justify you. Let us bend our knees and we will pray. We wait for you here at the altar. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you He is not against you He's ready right now to break the chains of sin and dependence from situations uh, move away any kind and eliminate any kind of fear and give you hope uh, and the adoption of your bodies by the redemption of Christ. Close your eyes to uh, this is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. Um, that uh, This is evidence of the fact that you without wrath or doubt 
lift your hands to God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my sins. You see my shame. You see my dependence. I hate all of this. I love you. I love your law. But if you don't free me, I will not be able to be free. I accept your words that can deliver me. I accept this word into my heart. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face, and show you mercy, and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May all of these blessings, blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills beyond you, may be accomplished upon you and your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. The Lord is blessed, who is vigilant over His word in our hearts, and is ready to fulfill all that we have accepted into our heart. He is capable of fulfilling it, and He will. Let us finish our service with our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.